Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, um, it's supposed to go up to like 100 degrees in Burbank this weekend. And the only reason that bothers me is I have to go out to watch the Philadelphia Eagles game because they're playing the Rams and it's not going to be on regular TV. And it bothers me because this past weekend, the Eagles are on TV. And I went to the gym and I'm getting out of my car. And it was like 85 when I got out of my car. But I remember growing up back east when I would get out of the car, you know, and it would be like that crisp, crisp feel and you go football's in the air. And when you get out and it's 85, it's just not right. And this weekend, me and Joanne have to go to Black Angus to watch the game because it's not on regular TV and it's going to be 100 degrees. You can't really like wear a jersey in that weather. So I'm just saying, I hate to bitch about the weather, but it's just, it's not making me feel like football season and uh, yeah, I'm not happy about that. Anyway, I know I'm going to talk to my guests. My guests play college football. I know that. And uh, my guest is Art LaFour. How you doing, Art? Good. How are you, sir? Good, good. Now, are you are you a football fan? Yes, I am. Uh, as a matter of fact, I watched the Eagles game uh, and I'm sorry to say, uh, yeah, they, you know what, it, it's, it's, they got killed. Yeah, you know, it was like the old, and like, I thought Andy Reid was there channeling him. The play calling was so bad. Now, who, who's your team? Uh, Bears. Okay. You know, because I'm from the Chicago area. I grew, I grew up in Gary, Indiana. Right, okay. So I'm from, you know, that neck of the woods. Now, I got to go, as a Bear fan, uh, you know, because I know Bear fans, you guys are insane. You're like Philadelphia fans. We just got killed. I know. What do you think of Jay Cutler? I think he stinks. I, I don't think he stinks. I think you gave him too much money and he stinks. I don't like Jay Cutler. Um, I wish they had a different quarterback. Um, he seems too uninvolved with the team. He is so matter-of-fact uh, to me. There's no passion. And... Um, at least he doesn't show it. He may have it, but he doesn't show it. And uh, so I don't like him for that reason. Now, you grew up in Gary, Indiana. Yeah. And you played football. Mm-hmm. Now, as you're playing football, when did you decide to get into the acting thing? Because, I mean, you went to, I know you went, and then you went to University of Kentucky, but you redshirted. Is that what happened? Yeah, I redshirted there because uh, I had gone to a junior college in Texas, Paris, Texas, uh, prior to going to Kentucky. And after the first semester at the junior college, uh, the fall semester, which is our football season, I was a second. I was going to be a second semester so, uh, freshman, and they dropped the sport. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, the coach said he was going to have a meeting after the season was over with, and so I thought it was going to be talking about the spring practice and everything else. But he said he they uh, discontinued the sport. So. A bunch of us got scholarships elsewhere. I had several offers, but I chose Kentucky, and that's where I cho- that's where I transferred to. So, as a kid, you wanted to play sports because you're a big guy. You're, yeah, you're a big guy. Did you want to act too as a kid, or, or did you love movies, or what happened? Well, I I, I loved movies, uh, but um, I didn't really uh, think about acting at all, uh, and then. After I got a divorce in Chicago, it was now 1974, I graduated from high school in 61. Okay. And uh, so now we're in 1975, actually. Uh, I drove out to California in a U-Drive car uh, because a friend of mine who I'd written a script with had moved out to California. And so I moved out a couple weeks later. So in June of 75 is when I moved out to California. And I know what you mean by what were being you do- disoriented. Yeah, what, what were you doing uh, in the time in between? Well, I did a lot of stuff. I owned a saloon in Chicago. I did. Um, uh, I was in the insurance business for a while. I sold insurance door-to-door. That uh, must be a... I, I, you know, that's that was a jobs. son of a bitch. I mean, yeah, because you're sitting there... Cause, and it's probably worse now because there's so many idiots out there. But even then, it's like people just, did you get your door slammed in your, and you're a big guy, oh, so you're sure probably intimidating. Yeah, but you know, usually we had appointments. And when we'd have an appointment, they'd want us to walk in and follow a script, basically. And we, we would turn the TV off, their their television off in their, in, in their home, and we would put the wife on the left and the <laughs> husband on the right and we'd do this presentation and it was uh it was kind of crazy i sold um after the saloon business i sold um uh um whatchamacallit um the um uh 
Vacuum cleaners? No, I I, sold, I didn't sell vacuum cleaners, or I didn't sell I didn't sell like encyclopedias. I sold. Um, uh, oh God, you know we we we, we used to rent uh, drive-in theaters, and okay. we would have swap meets. That's what okay. And so okay. I'd sell swap meets. So you're doing all that, and yeah. then and then you you just decide you get divorced, and you're like, you know what? I just need a change so you just say I'm mo- so you just packed your stuff up and just moved to California yeah and that was June of 75 and I thought I wanted to be a writer so when I came out here the only person that I knew was Jonathan Banks and I called John and said hey man how you doing and he said uh, what are you doing out here and I told him I came out to be a writer and he there was a long pause and he said you don't know shit about writing <laughs> <laughs> And I said, yeah, I know, but I came out the So he talked me into getting into his acting class, which I started in February of uh, 76. And uh, after a couple years, I thought, well, okay, I've done the acting thing. I've studied for a couple years. And Were you writing it all when you did this or no? Uh, after about six months or so of studying acting, I completely, it went out of my head. Okay. And I just focused on acting because I enjoyed it. And then after a couple years in 78, I thought uh, by June of 78, I thought, okay, it's been two years. Now it's time for me to do something else. And I thought, but I didn't want to do anything else. And so I had a long talk with myself over a couple week period. I was very bummed out. And, and then I realized that that's what I wanted to do was act. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. So you take the classes. And now, and I'm sure as, it's so funny because I did comedy in, in the late 80s and I always say, you know, how the scene was so different. You know, I mean, you remember you guys had to get, and even when I moved out here, you had to get the uh, drama log or whatever, the casting. Like, right. It's not like the internet stuff now. Right. But so you're sitting there and you're, and now where did you move? I always wonder, like, where do people move when they, like, I moved to this little place in Hollywood and I was, I was living between here and San Diego. And I was like, where did you move when you first came to LA? When how I did you first, pick it? When I first came here, I drove all the way to the ocean. Okay. And I stopped in a parking lot, and there was the ocean in front of me and the beach. And I asked somebody walking by, where am I? And the guy said, you're in Venice. I went, oh, okay. So that's where I, that's where I lived. Okay. I found an apartment for $125 God, a month. In Venice. Yeah. <laughs> and that was 1975, of course. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know exactly what you mean by, you know, when you said you were so disoriented. I was, it was December 25th. 1975 I'm walking down the beach in Venice on Christmas Day and it's 92 degrees and I thought what the hell this is so crazy it's funny because my girlfriend just moved out here and I was in a long distance relationship for a year and a half going back east and I grew up back east and I would come get you know you get on the plane from here and you probably know when you go to shoot films you know if you're going somewhere like I would sit there and I had the little shuttle pick me up and it's like 70 and you know and I'm sitting there and I have a leather jacket on and people are looking at me like I'm an idiot I'm like no I'm going back east because it's it's 35 there and so finally I just bought a, a jacket and left it there <laughs> because I didn't want to yeah. feel like an idiot yeah. so you go to Venice you go in your acting classes now you finally decide it's what you want to do mm-hmm. so nobody did you go look for an agent or did you I mean how because back then it must have been harder to find an agent because it wasn't as accessible I mean how did that happen well my friend John Banks had led me through everything Okay. He kind of like uh, mentored me in a way. And so um, when it came time in 78 and I decided that I wanted to be an actor and I finally committed to being an actor, if prior to that moment of me deciding that I wanted to be an actor, if, you had, if I had met you and you had asked me, what do you do for a living? I would have told you that I sold pens okay. on the phone for a living <laughs> and I happened to also study acting on the side. But after I made the decision to be an actor, uh, if I had met you and you asked me what I did, I would have told you that, you know, I, I'm an actor and I also happen to sell pens right. to make a living. You That's know so I mean? funny. It's so true, though. Yeah. So, so you do that and you get you you start your acting now. When do you start booking work? I know, actually, I, I see your your first gig. It looks like it was Rescue from Gilligan's Island. That's correct. I I uh, did a play before that. Okay. So my first legitimate job basically was uh in 1978 uh and i and to answer your question about what did i do about an agent or so forth i asked john banks my friend if he 
if I could use his agent, and he told me that uh, talk to him. So I talked to Dick Dunn, who was his agent at the time, and I said, um, "Would you represent me?" And he said, "I won't sign you, but I'll represent you." The hip so, pocket. Yeah, and so I got a job as a um, in, in a pl- I got a play uh, at the Mark Taper Forum called. Um, uh, it was a it was a uh, Michael. God, what's his name? Um, Michael Christopher play, and I uh, did. I, and and so that was my first legitimate job. And then after that, a friend of mine who I was in acting class with was going. He she was going with Lloyd Schwartz, who was one of the executive producers on Rescue from Gilligan's Island, because his father had originated the right. show. And so he gave me a shot at auditioning for this character and it for, it for a TV movie called Rescue from Gilliland's Island. I, re- I read for the part. I got the part. And uh, so that got me my, my SAG card. See, that's pretty cool. I mean, was, that, was that one of your first auditions for a show? Uh, yeah, basically. Um, I, ha- I think uh, because, you know, I, you have to, to, to be in SAG, you have to get a job and you, ha- you can't get a in the right. sag unless you get it you know what i mean so it was uh kind of a catch-22 thing well it's funny because i love i love tv and I'm, I'm a tv junkie i mean i don't watch it as much anymore but i look i look at your resume and it's like just such like some great shows i mean you're on charlie's angels yeah which that may mean i mean when i was we all my i remember my brother having that farrah fawcett poster and we're now what kind of roles are you getting cast for like a tough guy or a nice guy because you're a big guy i what, was getting c- cast as a cop as a thug you know um as a farmer uh i did um the incredible hulk and i got cast as a farmer you know it's it depends on uh you know but mostly it was thugs or cops now i'm looking at your resume the hollywood knights that yeah. movie you were in that yeah. now is that the one with uh, robert wool Yes. Okay. We, you know, we used to watch and that. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, and Tony Danza. I think. Tony Danza. Yeah. So, so that was that. That was like your first. That was like a, your first movie, right? Mm-hmm. Besides a TV movie. How did that come apart? I mean, how did that come about? Because I mean, just it's you know, it was it was. It's funny. It's a classic movie. I loved it. We used to watch it on cable back east, and everyone we knew the lines. And everyone was like, "What movie are you talking about?" And we were like, "New Bomb Turts." We yeah. all remember that. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, I was um, going with a girl. Named Shelley, who is now my, who has been my wife for, for, we just celebrated our 33rd anniversary. Congratulations. I met her on Gilligan's Island, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. And, um, that's a great story, by the way. Said, what did you guys meet? Thank uh, you. Rescue yeah. Gilligan's Island. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was uh, the uh, assistant uh, coordinator on the show. And so I, uh, production coordinator. So I met Shelley. And uh, then when she was a production coordinator for that show, that movie, I she got me a part. You See, know, that's I, great, I, I didn't have much of a part, but uh, that was a part. And you're also a Mash, which I mean, that's gonna be. I mean, that's a you're part of the history of TV, which yeah. you know, it's so funny because Mash was so watched and and. The kids now don't know what it is because you don't really find reruns of it. But that must be make you feel very proud that you were part of. I mean, Mash was a huge, huge show. I was very glad to be a, a part of Mash, um, and uh, I, you know, I still get residuals for that show. It's down to pennies, but still though. Every and every once in a while, I'll get like twelve dollars for, you know, a couple runs. I go, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So you're working along, and you're getting a lot of parts. And I know then what happened with uh, you got cast in a show called Another Ball Game to start. Was that a right? So now that was now was that your first pilot you were going to be in, or how? I mean, had you had well, I had read for a bunch before that, but um, uh, Alex Karras, you know, he he comes from Gary, Indiana. Okay, and so he has always been a hero of mine. When I was a little kid living on the east side of Gary, we lived one block over from Emerson High School. And I used to walk around the corner and go and watch practices where there was this young freshman fullback, Alex Karras. So uh, he was, he's always been my idol. And when I had a chance to read for a pilot that was starring him and Susan Clark, his wife, I jumped at it, of course. 
uh, and um, I got the part. Peanut Butter Bukowski was my name. What kind of character were you? Well, I was a uh, the best friend of Alex's, okay. and uh, we had been pro football players together, and he was starting his, um, you know, his radio career as an announcer for football and 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 a you know and a play-by-play kind of guy and so i was his best friend and i was supposed to get him in all kinds of trouble so after we did the pilot um they had also had a little black kid manny lewis on the show and uh during the two weeks that we were rehearsing and then when we finally shot the show which was a half an hour episodic the whole direction of the show changed from being about the couple to being about Manny Lewis. And so that's when they changed the show from the, the, the name of the show to what it became. Um, and uh, I uh, basically, I, I got a, an appointment. They, they, the producers called me and said, all right, we want to talk with you. And I said, well, uh, okay. So I thought they were going to develop my character some right so i went into the meeting with a little folder you know that had some of the things that i had done in the past in civilian life and uh so to speak and so i uh and 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 then the the producer closed the door and said well there's no other way to say it so i'm just going to say it we got to let you go we already have one jock and that's alex and that's all we need so they, you know, so I was let go. Was it devastating? I mean, it was. Well, you know, my wife had just gotten pregnant with our first child. So, and so, I was not going to let anything rain on my parade. So I told them that, and they, I ended up hugging them and consoling them <laughs> over the fact that they were had to let me go. It was very strange. So you get so that, but so, but you're still. I mean, you're still in the game. That's all I say. Like, there's, it's so funny. It's so funny because you know. You see so many, you know, actors I've had on my show that, you know, that happens a lot. People don't understand, like, you know, and this whole thing, there's no overnight success, but that happens a lot. So you go there, but you're you're happy because you have the, the child on the way. So right. so what do you, do you just get back to plugging again, just getting out and auditioning? Uh, you know, I never stopped auditioning and my, and, and, and I was signed by an agent after I got uh, rescued from Gilligan's Island. Uh, and because, and so... Once I decided that I wanted to be an actor in in the latter part in the second half of uh, 1978, I got an equity card, I got my SAG card, and I got my after card all before Christmas. Okay. Of that year, so once I decided that I wanted to be an actor, everything came to me. Now I got you, in the, all three unions and. Were you doing some that. stage besides that first play? Would you would you ever get out? I and did. Do stage? I did a lot of stage. Um, that was the thing that I could do. You know, without an agent and without any of the unions in uh, being in any of the unions, I I could do stage. And so I did a lot of equity waiver. I did so many plays, you know, and uh, and then finally I got I started getting work and started getting paid for what I did for a living. And things were crazy from there you know? well so you're going to tvs then you're going to movies like you did a man with one red shoe mm-hmm. that's with tom hanks right yeah so you did that i mean did you do scenes with tom no we didn't have any scenes with tom we were all we were a peripheral group as a matter of fact um when we went to washington dc me and three or four other guys who were like the group that followed you know uh our main guy around we thought that we had all had the same part dabney coleman read the was the character that that was our boss basically and we had they didn't have any sides for us because we were all these guys you know that were you know in the group so they had us read dabney coleman's sides and we all thought, we didn't find that out until we got in the elevator going up to the 20-something floor to go to the production office. And and we were asked, uh, what part are you playing? And I told them so-and-so. And they said, well, I'm playing that part. And then the <laughs> So there were three of us in the, in the elevator, and we all thought we had got the same part. But we didn't have the part. It right. was Dabney Coleman's part. See, those, those sneaky producers. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a, as you keep working as a, and it's your career. You know, it's funny, you were in a movie that uh, 
I actually know, and I don't think a lot of people know. And I don't. It was the uh, the the garbage kicker, uh, the the place. Oh yeah, Danny Danny. Uh, Danny um, it was. Uh, what is it called? Because I remember I saw it in your resume. It was later, but it was uh, the place kick garbage. The garbage. Was it a garbage? It place? was the 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 field, the uh, garbage picking field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon. Now, what did you play in that? Uh, we, I played, I played the the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So what was that like? Because you know you're a football fan, but you're probably like I'd rather be the Bears. Well, it, you know they they grade my hair up and uh, so that I would look uh, more stately, and uh, I uh, became that character, and uh, I was that guy, you know. So I had a lot of scenes with uh, the owner of the ball club and. Uh, it, it was really a great time. I, I had a, I had a really great time. I think I had a couple scenes with Danny, um, I mean with Tony rather, Tony Danza who starred in it. Um, but uh, it was really uh, I had I had a great time doing it. But what is it like? I mean, because you know you've you've been in movies, you've been in a ton of movies. I always say when people have over a hundred. Uh listings on their imdb that's a career i mean people if you sit there you want to sit there and go well i'm an actor you know what? until you get over 100 uh credits and and major shows like like art has had what was i mean in the in the beginning not in the beginning but as you're getting you know you do mash and you're doing this and you're playing cops were you starting were you enjoying doing comedy or drama better or did you ever have a choice or did you sit there and you just loved the, the process i like the process and uh obviously and um so that's what i did i i primarily uh, you know, whether it was a dramatic or comedic role, I, I seemed to be able to do them both. And uh, so I did them both, you know. And whenever I had a chance to audition, whatever the show was, I would audition. Now, you've been in some movies where you've played an athlete. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a harder audition because you have to be, be like, I know you, you were the babe, you were Babe Ruth in the Sandlot. So now, is that an audition where you, do they sit there? And, and first of all, I mean, I, I'm a baseball fan. I mean, if I sat there and read an audition and said, okay, uh, you're getting called for the role as Babe Ruth, I'd be like, first of all, like, well, how, you know, because that's one of those roles that no matter what you do, people are going to bitch. Oh, I had to be able to do that. I mean, I'm sure John Goodman got a rash of crap for when he did the movie Babe. I'm sure he did, like, yeah. He doesn't look like all of this or that. How does that make you feel like when you get, you, when you're, did your agent say, hey, guess what? You're going to this audition as Babe Ruth? I mean, how did, how did, what did that, well, I was told uh, the week before okay. that I, you know, was going to have, be able to well, read this part for this for this uh, show uh, called The Sandlot, and I was going to be playing Babe Ruth coming out of a closet, and um, so I went and got a, a biography of uh, Babe Ruth, and it was a really good biography, and it talked about the way he pronounced certain things. He would call. Instead of saying kid, he would call. He would say kid. Um, he would instead of saying baseball, he would say baseball. He would uh, put a, almost like a like a bowl. And uh, so when I walked into the the um, audition for Babe Ruth, I was as much Babe Ruth as I could be, and uh, I used those inflections and. Um, ended up getting the part that must be great to have it on your resume you played babe ruth i mean it was and it was the best one day job i ever had i still get recognized for it i went to a a dodger game a couple nights ago and i had i was recognized four or five times as being the babe that's see that must be see that means you made an impact and you played them well yeah and also last year last august um a year ago last august i uh there was a um, 20, 20th cel- year, so 20 year celebration for the Sandlot. And so they rented, uh, they, they gave us a, uh, a, a sky box that we had, and uh, they had a bunch of the, of the kids that were grown up now. And uh, the, the uh, writer and director, David Mickey Evans, and um, I had told David Mickey then. I said, "I said this was the best one day job I ever had, and and I'm going to stick to that." You Isn't know? that great? You, you get called for this part, and you think that 
20 years now later the movie still stands up and oh, even, yeah. even to be recognized for I mean for a smaller part I mean that's just that must be a great feeling because and you you've, you've not only like people like my age watched it but now kids watch that movie yeah and you know it's it's gone by it's gone through two or three generations uh, I, I have kids now that are seven eight nine years old uh, who look at me and go are you the babe that's funny you know and that's you know that's out of nowhere i also get recognized for uh playing uh the tooth fairy and santa claus right i, I want to get to that because that's so yeah. funny that's, and, a, that's and, you know so um what's it like when you get recognized i mean is, is it a weird feeling I mean, well it's kind of weird but at the same time they're not throwing rocks at me right you know they're 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 smiling when they when they when they recognize me and oftentimes i'll go to um with my family we'll go to a restaurant and the, and I've never been there before, but the pre- person who's seating people will say, "Hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. We'll be have you have a table for you in a minute." You know, and and they're smiling. Uh, they and I they recognize me from some movies or whatever, but they think that I I've That's previously funny. been there. So. Well, you also played a baseball player in Field of Dreams. Yeah. So now, what was that like? Because you know, it's funny that was that was a movie that was. If you're a guy, like, and if you're a baseball fan, you love that, you love Bull, bull Dorm, and you love the natural. Right. So now, how did that come about? Because it was just, was that before or after the Babe? That was before, that was before the Babe. That was in 1988 that we were in Iowa. Uh, there was a drought that summer, and uh, a lot of the corn crop in Iowa was a, a failure. Uh, but uh, they got special permission to... Uh, water the the crop that was immediately around the field and so it was uh, seven feet tall or 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 tall or eight feet tall um uh that came up i had a chance to read for the part i read the part i then after i read for the part and got a call back i then read the book and they're called shoeless joe and uh, the name of the movie at the time that we were shooting was called Shoeless Joe. I have, I have a, a record, uh, I mean, a, uh, a crew jacket that says Shoeless Joe on the back of it. What a difference. You know, yeah. You know, it's like it, people like Field of Dreams, you sit there and you go, oh, okay. But Shoeless Joe, you'd be like, you know, it's like when they had the movie about the Chicago Black Sox. It's like you sit there and you'd be like, I don't, I mean, a, a girl, you can't take a date to Shoeless Joe. You can take a date to Field of Dreams. Yeah. Eight, well, Eight Men Out had just, just come out okay. the previous summer. And uh, so, as a matter of fact, it was out when we were shooting the movie. So, uh, it was, you know, and I have so many stories about Field of Dreams because we were there for, you know, seven, eight weeks. I want to hear some because I, I, yeah. I, love, I love stories. Uh, it was really a great time. Um, everybody was really nice. Uh, the producers were great. Um, the, uh, Phil Alden Robinson, who directed it, was great and wrote it. Um, uh, it, it was just a super time. Um, but interestingly enough, when the farmhouse that we had, for instance, uh, the farmhouse was just a regular farmhouse. It didn't have a wraparound porch. It didn't have a, a bay window on the second floor in their bedroom. And it didn't have central heat or air conditioning. But that was all put in by and built in by the crew that when they went out before we shot. And so the farmer insisted that we put it back to its original place and, 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 and situation when we were through, when we wrapped the film. And so when we wrapped... They waited until the winter time to shoot that one scene where uh, Kevin Costner and Amy Madigan are in their bedroom and they look out in the field as there's snow and all that, and they're they're doubting what they're going to do. After that, there was a a crew that went out to California uh, to um, Iowa to uh, change it back, and the farmer said, "Well, I'll tell you what. If you give me twenty five thousand dollars." You can leave it just the way it is. And so, (laughs) 
he he somehow got it got it you know got some more money out of us and 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 and, and also air conditioning and heating and the wraparound porch and the bay window and all. Now, now, what was it like being in Iowa? How long were you in Iowa for? Eight we were about. I was there for about eight weeks. So you're in Iowa now. I know you came from Indiana, but you're you're, you're now you're, you're living in California, and you have yeah. wife and kids back here, right? So you're leaving for eight weeks. That must be hard. I mean, how old were your kids when you left? Well, my kids were uh, little then. Uh, I uh, my son Joe hadn't been uh, hadn't been. He wasn't a year old yet. As a matter of fact, they asked us to stay one extra week to be fuzzy bits in the background. And uh, I went up to Phil Alden Robinson, and I said, Hey, Phil, uh, my, my son's going to have his birthday in, in a couple of days, and you want us to stay for another week. Uh, I don't want to be able to, when my son grows up, I don't want to tell him I missed your first birthday because I right. was a fuzzy bit in the background. And he goes, Go, Gil, get out of here. You know? So he let me go. Now was it was a camaraderie on the set because you're a bunch of guys and you know you're you're playing baseball players so it's like it's it's a guys movie so you're yeah. sitting there, I mean did they put you up and did you stay in apartments or hotels or we what stayed we stayed at a, at a hotel a motel basically and um, that's where I met Steve Easton and Chuck Hoyes who played the pitcher and the catcher I met uh, Mike Milhone who uh, was the third baseman I played first base uh, uh, Chick Gandell was my name. Uh, one of the um, funny stories is that after the, we had a reading of the script prior to going, but everybody going to uh, Iowa to shoot it, and uh, Burt Lancaster was there, and I waited, after the reading was over with, I waited until the crowd had like separated and gone away from where he was, because he was mobbed by everybody who wanted to say hello to him. Uh, and I just walked over to him, and I, after this is at the end of the reading, I walked over, and he was still sitting down, and I put my hand out to shake his hand. He grasped my hand, and I said, Bert, it's, it's really great to meet you. Uh, Mr. Lancaster, uh, you know, I look forward to working with you. And he pulled my hand so I could get closer to him, and he said, what was your character's name? And I said, Chick, Chick Gandell. He goes, mind if I call you Chick? I said, you can call me anything you right. want. <laughs> so six weeks go by, and I, we're now in Iowa. And uh, and um, Burt Lancaster comes to the set. He's going to be there for one week. And he comes walking down this aisleway. And I'm sitting there by my honey wagon uh, along with a couple other guys, and we're half in our ba baseball uniforms and half out of our baseball uniforms and he walks by me and I said I was about to say hello Mr. Lancaster and he said Chick how you doing Chick <laughs> so he remembered See, now he remembered my character name I, I don't think he would have remembered my actor's name but my regular name but he did remember my character See, that's name. cool now now when you did baseball scenes were you a good baseball player when you were younger or well I played catch with my my older brother Joe and my younger brother Ed and we played catch all the time. And we played in a lot of pickup games and stuff like that. So I was a pretty good baseball player. I was a good football player. I was a good wrestler. You know, there were a lot of things because of my brothers. Right. You know, and growing up and having that thing. As a matter of fact, one of the stories that I have is that when I finally got the call back, there were like 12 of us who got callbacks to be these four characters that were the guys that walked out of the corn. And uh, one of the guys, well, and there was also uh, uh, the guy that played Shula's show, too. So have the, that was five. And there were nine guys that walked out of the corn. But anyway, uh, at the field, at the, we went to a park, and Rod Dato was there, who was one of the uh, baseball um The baseball uh, uh, um, consultant? Consultants. And also uh, Rod Dato and uh, Don Buford. And uh, so Phil met, met us there, and we all kind of huddled at the, at, the, at the pitching mound on this baseball field. And he said, okay, I want everybody to go to a respective base. I don't care which one you go to. And let's see how you handle yourself with the baseball. So I ran to first base because, you know, that's where I was. Yeah, it's easiest to do, too. So 
I ran the first base, and there was one other younger guy that ran there with me. And I thought, okay, this is my competition. And because everybody else was at shortstop or second base or third base, whatever. And the guy started hitting uh, ground balls. And when it came, I went first, and I handled a few ground balls and threw them the second and first and home and all that. And, um, and then this other guy got up, and he couldn't play baseball. He played like a girl. You know, he threw, he, he, anything that he did, he, we did, he did it clumsily. Right. And so I thought to myself, oh, my God, I might get this job. <laughs> And sure enough, I did get the job. See, that's cool. Now, so yeah. you played them. Now, also, you you played uh, you play like military military and security roles a lot too. Mm-hmm. Now, now, how does, does that is it because of the way you look? I mean, I mean, because I know you were like it says you were first kid, which was a Disney movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at them. Did they sit there and go, okay? I mean, when you go for the audition, I mean, it's weird. You go from a baseball player to a military. I mean, what what's that like? Do you like those roles? Well, I was in the military i was six okay. years in the reserves and so i had drill sergeants yell at me when i was in basic training so i kind of like knew who they were and how they acted and um i was a jock so i knew how those guys were and i also have this look you know there were guys in my acting class there were people guys and girls both who were wonderful they could cry on a dime. They could just, they, and they delivered incredible scenes in my acting class. But they couldn't get arrested because they didn't have I don't know what it was the the look whatever. Right. But I looked like this big lug, and uh, that was partly why I got part of some of the roles I got. I think because I looked right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, because you, you, it's like, yeah, so you, I can see, like, the babe, and then the, you look like a first baseman. Yeah. And then the security, though. Now, was it fun being playing a security role? Is it is it is it cool? Or Because sometimes, like, like I'm like in, in Disney's first kid and stuff, you're you're sort of the bad guy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like what is that like? I mean, because, you know, people are like, well, they're rooting against you. Do you mind that? No, I don't mind that at all. Uh, uh, you know, uh, if, if I play a bad guy, I... Uh, play it i am that person so if i'm a bad guy i'm a bad guy and if i'm a good guy i'm a good guy in in uh, man of the house i was a good guy you know i was the the dad of one of the kids in the, in the group and so i was a good guy you know uh and i just i was that i was who he was so that just one it just went the way it did you know so first of all here's a role i got to talk to you about how did you get cast for a role as a tooth fairy I mean that's that's so. If people don't know, he was in a, he was you were in Santa Claus two and three. Yeah, Santa Claus two and three as the Tooth Fairy. As the Tooth Fairy. So now, how does that come up when you're Asian? First of all, is your agent going, "Oh my God, he's going to sit there and go, what the hell?" Or and, and what did you think when they said, "Hey, uh, Art, we want you to play the Tooth Fairy." Well, Michael Lembeck and and, and um, the lead, the guy that played the Santa Claus, um, were. Very instrumental in getting me the part. Um, Did they know they, of your work? They, 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 the part basically was offered to me. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, um, I just, I read the script. I thought, okay, the Tooth Fairy, he's going to have a tutu on and tights, and I, I just can't see myself doing that. So I, but I read the script, and when I came to the Tooth Fairy, when he was introduced, that character was introduced in the script. It said, "It looks like he played football, but he has little wings." I thought, "Oh, I could do that." Okay. So, so that was because of uh, Tim Allen and Michael Lembeck. I think uh, because I had worked on Tim Allen's first TV show, um, and I had worked, I had done two or three episodes of that. Uh, at you know during the during this five or six or seven year run of the show, uh, and so he knew me and Michael knew me because I had done a couple sitcoms uh, as a guest where Michael was the director. What were some of them? Um, Do you remember? I don't remember necessarily offhand, but I just remember that Michael. I, I had known Michael, so he knew you. He knew your work, he and he respected me. your he work. He knew my work. So. When I got the part uh, of the Tooth Fairy, it was offered to me. And when I read the script, I thought, well, I can play that. I, you know, the guy looks like he played football, but he had little wings. So I just said, yeah. 
and they gave me they gave me money, and uh, I went to Vancouver and did it. So what's it what what's it like going to Vancouver? I mean, because it's like you sit there, you have you it seems like you get movies where you have to leave a lot. Well, Disney gave me the money that we had asked for, but they didn't want to pay to have me up there the whole run of the show. So they flew me back and forth, I don't know, five or six times. And um, that's just the way they work. And so I made five or six trips up to Vancouver that, you know, during a, a couple, three month period. And uh, I was a tooth fairy every time. And uh, I got to know uh, the whole procedure, you know, when, when you go up to Vancouver and you show the passport and all that kind of thing. So um, that, was, that was the way that worked. Uh, when I did the garbage picking with Tony Danza, that character, uh, the head coach of the, uh, of the Eagles, Disney, well, that was also a Disney film, and they didn't want to pay me any more than $42 a day for the per diem. And I, th- I, I thought, well, Toronto's an expensive city, I am going to need more than that. And so I said, well, how about $75? That, was, that way I could eat decently, you know. Um, and they said, they said, no, that, that'll be a deal breaker. But we're going to put you up at a five-star hotel. I said, okay, well, all right, fine. So I went with, with the $42, obviously. And when I got to Toronto and checked into the hotel, I went to the there were like two or three restaurants, and I went to the one that was the cafe, the right. the, the least expensive one, and that was it was already in the early evening, and I had a bowl of tomato soup and a and a grilled cheese sandwich and like a iced tea, and it was like seventy five dollars. Oh, and I man. thought, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah, <it's> a- <laughs> you know that now that's Canadian, which you know which which is which transfers 80%, to the, yeah. you know, 80% but still you know and so i thought okay they're putting me in a five star hotel but i can't afford to get my socks done right let alone <laughs> eat or anything else so so you did santa claus too and now did you know there was going to be a sequel or is that just some a surprise for you it was a surprise and i was delighted when it came through uh, i got the same kind of money that i did before and uh, it was uh, but it was, yes, it was a delightful surprise. Yeah. Yeah. See, Bob was also in Vancouver? Uh, well, I was in Vancouver, but I, I flew up and back all the time. For both of them? Well, the, the, the third one, Santa Claus 3, was shot in um, Downey. Okay, so that's... At some big soundstage there that was converted from... I guess they built the space shuttle there or something like that. And so they had these huge cavernous huge um, uh, sound stages that were converted over. Now, you've traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the other places you've gone between Iowa and Vancouver? And just tell me some stories of just some of your travels because it's like, sometimes it must be weird when you get you get sent into a, if it's a small town and you're a film crew and you know, you see those movies, oh, there's those Hollywood people. Yeah. You know, is there any really cool places that you really said, wow, you were excited you got, you got flown to? Well, I was excited to go to, to Baltimore, Maryland okay. to shoot the replacements. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a very dear friend of mine, Vince McEwen, wrote the script okay. and wrote, you know, so, and he was the writer on that show. And um, so when I was, I was very excited to go to Baltimore because Vince kept saying to me, I'm going to show you my hometown when you get here he was there two or three weeks before they started shooting and uh, I didn't arrive until we were getting ready to start shooting um, and during the time that we were uh, that Vince was there uh, he kept Howie Deutsch was the director and he kept bringing in he, he brought in a another writer and who kept and the, this writer Vince and this writer were not friendly. Okay. And uh, it was a younger guy, and he kept, and so Howie kept bringing in scenes that this guy had written to show to Vince to say, what do you think about this? And Vince kept saying, I don't know, this is terrible. No, no, no. And uh, finally, the day before I arrived, Vince was fired from the show by Howie Deutsch. And uh, so Vince went to the field to say goodbye to a bunch of the cast members that he had met 
and got to know. And he was in one end zone, and Howie Deutsch was in the other end zone, and he was on the phone. And suddenly Vince's phone rings, and it's Hollywood. And they're saying Howie Deutsch is at the field, and he would like you to leave because it's very uncomfortable having you there. And Vince looked over at the other end zone and saw that Howie was on the phone and figured, well, Howie's talking to Hollywood. Hollywood calls me. You know, so uh, he said he, will, he was tempted to throw the phone down and run after uh, <laughs> and run after Howie Deutsch, but he didn't. Um, that that's kind of a funny story. Uh, also, um, I thought that when Gene Hackman was hired, he wanted six, he wanted seven million dollars or something like that. For but they only offered six. And so he said, well, I don't think I'm going to do the film. And so they had a meeting, and Vince was, my friend Vince was part of the meeting, where they had Howie Deutsch there, and they had uh, the uh, lead actor. Um, uh, and the lead actor said, well, you're giving me, the reason why I wanted to do this movie was to work with Gene Hackman. So you're giving me 12 million and you're giving Gene six. Give him one of mine. So they gave him seven and, and uh, Keanu Reeves kept, kept the, one, the, the 11 and uh, they worked together. See, that's and did cool. The movie. I, thought, I thought it was a really good story. That is. And it's you know, just because nice Keanu Reeves, Because Keanu Reeves, I, 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 he was a very nice man. Uh, he was, he was, um, I didn't talk to him very much because he was kind of a, an elusive, aloof kind of a guy. But... Uh, a lot by himself, and I didn't want to bug him. Uh, but he was very nice to me, and I thought that was a wonderful story, you know, that involved him and, and Gene Hackman. Well, it's nice of him. Now, now, you've worked with some great people. Now, you know, I know Burt Lancaster you were very excited to work with. Who were some of the other people that you sat there and you've worked with? I mean, even when you were younger, did you work with anyone that you were like, wow, I mean, I'm doing that. Like, when you were younger and you are a young actor, and I know you were a mash, but did you ever sit there and be like, Wow, I'm actually I'm actually acting with these people, and it was, must be very surreal. I mean, was there any moments like that where you just were like, "Oh my God"? Well, there there was a, a moment with um, uh, when I was doing um, uh, the movie that uh, um, what's her name was in. Um, uh, it was a series, and I had a very small part in the series. I played one of the I played a bad guy, and I had lines like, "Eat." You know, right. that kind of thing. And uh, Farrah Fawcett walked onto the soundstage. This was the second or third day that I had worked on the movie. And she did, she said hello to a couple people, and she looked across the soundstage at me and walked directly over to me and put her hand out and said, Hi, I'm Farrah Fawcett. And I thought that was very nice of her to do that. No one else on that show did that. So I thought that that was very nice of her. And I was in awe of her. See, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, everyone was in all of her. I mean, everyone loved Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. Now, some of your episodically, you, you were in, in the later years, you were in Cold Case. Mm-hmm. Now, what was that like? Because I love that show. I always love that show, but it also takes place in Philly. I mean, it's so funny because you play different age. People play different ages. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy that show? I enjoyed that show. I, I, I worked just one day, so I was just like a guest, uh, guest star kind of a thing. I had one scene, and after they shot that, I, I was released and went home. Uh, but everybody was very nice to me on that set. Um, I did uh, a film, uh, Air America, with Mel Gibson right. and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, they were great to me. Robert Downey Jr. Jr. Uh, and Mel were both really super. I heard Mel Gibson's a big practical joker, like on the set. I've heard like he's just well, he's like a clooney. They're just he's like practical ve- jokers. He was very instantaneous with everything. Um, he would be telling a joke and smoking a cigarette to the side, talking to one of the grips or whatever, while they were lighting a scene. And let's say that it was a very emotional scene for for uh, Mel. Um, they say, Mel, we're ready. And he would say, okay. And he would put his cigarette out, and, and by the time he walked into the set and got on camera, he was that character. And I don't know how he could do it, but that's the way he did. And um, I kind of understand it now, but you know what I mean? Back right. then, I thought, geez, that's amazing, you know? 
and so and 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 Bobby Downey was the same way. I I had a couple. I had several scenes with Bobby, and um, he was a wonderful guy. He was off the wagon at the time. He was off. Okay. Uh, he was on. Oh, the, on okay, on the wagon. He wasn't drinking. He wasn't drinking or doing or yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was just super. Um, I heard, you know, a couple years after we shot that, we shot that in 1989 and early 1990. And where did that shoot? That that was in England and in uh, Thailand. We were in Thailand for like three months, and then we waited a couple months, and then in February and early March we were in England. Now, do you like when you shoot out of the country? I mean, it just seems it's like people are different. I had Gregory Harrison on, and he said he used to book gigs where he could surf. Yeah. Like, is there any places that you've sat there and said, I don't really want to do this movie, but I want to go there, and have you booked it for that reason? Well, in Thailand, you know, if you had said to me prior to my going to Thailand, Art, name the best, the 10 best places to, that you want to go in the world, Thailand would not have been one of them. Okay. But after I went to Thailand and spent some time there and got to know some of the people there, uh, aside from the crew, and saw the way they lived and ate their food and all that and how friendly they were. Uh, Thailand, if, if you had asked me the same question after that, I would have said Thailand would have been the, one of the first places on my on my list. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, well it's the same uh, thing, you go and, somewhere. And, and London was great. Um, we worked at, um, uh, in, in the, uh, the sound stages there. Um, uh, I think it was uh, the, what sound stage was it? The um, I've forgotten. Uh, there's a couple of sound, big sound stages there, um, and in Cinecittà, in in Rome, the sound stages there. Uh, I I spent in 1985. I did two films there. Wow. I did a, a feature film called Zone Troopers in the early part of '85, and then in the summer. Fall, I did another film. It was a four-hour TV movie called The Fifth Missile, which was supposed to be a uh, for for foreign television, and then eventually it would be a three-hour. They'd cut an hour out of it, and it would be a three-hour TV movie in the states. Um, and we shot that at uh, Cinecittà Studios uh, in Rome, on the outskirts of Rome. And so Rome was great. Thailand was wonderful. You know, London think, was great. And then, you know, great. before you moved out here, you were selling in cycling. Yeah. <laughs> things door to door. Yeah. Now, now I met you at the book signing. Uh, it was for, um, the book is called, I can't, it's... Character King. Character Kings. Now, how did that come about? Because that's right. I met Art. I met him. It was at this um, um, uh, this place in Burbank. I, it's skipping my name. Uh, the store. What was it called? Del oh, Dark Delicacies. Dark Delicacies. So how yeah. did that come about? How did, they, how did they approach you to be in this book? Well, I was supposed to sign uh, the, the, the book, um, be at the book signing the year before. Um, but uh, Scott, who wrote the book, uh, I, I couldn't make it for some reason or other. I don't remember what. And so then when he told me, he, he contacted me two or three months prior to coming to Dark Delicacies in Burbank. And he said, uh, I'm going to be there, you know, uh, such and such a day. Would you be able to make it? And, and it was two or three months ahead of time. Okay. So I had plenty of time to schedule. But how did they approach you to be in the book? Did he just write it? Or did he have to go through you first? He or how called, does that work? He called me and said, I would like to interview you. One would be a good time. And then he called me back um, a week later, whatever it was, and um, interviewed me and asked me all the questions that. And basically, when I read the art, the section, the chapter that is mine, uh, everything he asked me uh, and everything that I said was like almost verbatim. Okay. So he had must have recorded it and then just copied it. Now, when you're at the book signing, did you know a bunch of those other guys? I mean, it's like the, 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 like the character actor guys, did you, did you go with, I mean, like I always hear some people who, you know. I knew Mike, I knew John, I, I knew th several of the guys. No. Um, and, uh, or of them. Okay. You know what I mean? Or, and so there were a couple of guys that I met for the first time there, but uh, uh, John Polito, uh, uh, Mike Starr, I knew all of those guys. Now, and now, I mean, you've, you've, you're, you're, you've been in the business for a long time. And you're still going strong. Now, do you 
do you plan to do it? Do you want to do any more live theater anymore? Or you just said, I'm done with that? Or would you if something you would a like good to do? Part, if there's a good part for live theater, I would do it. Um, I started teaching an acting class about 13, 14 weeks ago. And uh, so I'm teaching that class now every Wednesday night. And that is a wonderful experience. I really like teaching. But I also like working. Right. And so I'm going to continue to do both, um, hopefully. Um, and we'll see what happens. What made, you get it, what made you decide to go into teaching? Just because you've had this career, you've been through well, the class? Number one of the things that the primary reason why I'm teaching acting or I started teaching acting was is a financial reason. You know, I can make some money doing it. But also, um, but to start with, I've just started teaching, and so I've only got a couple people in my class. So it's kind of like it's pretty tough right now. But as time goes by, and you build, you know, you, you, as, if you build it, they will come. You know, right, right, right. You know that kind of thing. Uh, so uh, hopefully, it'll it'll turn out to be a, a better gig. Um, but I, I really enjoy it, and I enjoy the research that I've been doing to uh, enhance the class. So, I really enjoy it. That's cool, though. That's that's it's because, as I say, you know, I always am skeptical of acting teachers who haven't been in anything. But someone like you has a great a great resume. So it's like, of course, you want to. Like, I wouldn't want to go to an actor who hasn't booked anything. It's like yeah. you. It's like, oh, wow, okay, he's been in this. He's been this and this. And and that's great. That's cool that you can actually import the knowledge. And I think also it's something that you probably can mentor these kids somewhat. I call them mm. kids, but you know, you can mentor them because they know you've been through the whole process. You've yeah, been through the audition. Yeah, and I, I and and in the class. Um, Obviously, if anyone has a question they want to ask me, I'll be certainly happy to answer it and give them my honest opinion. Um, but uh, uh, it's 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 been very rewarding for me. I've read a lot of acting books um, prior to my starting this acting class, and and since then, and. Some of the people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. But there are people also who have never acted before. Um, but then again, there are some people who have never acted before who know, who know a great deal, and they've been teaching wonderful stuff. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy it. Now, do you, are you, do you still go out and audition a lot? Or? Well, in the last three or four weeks, I have not had one audition. Really? And I need to call my agents, if you're listening, I need to call my agents and bug them about that and because I'm not, I have not dropped off the face of the earth. Um, because I'm 71 years old and I don't look 71, that has been a problem for me lately because I get auditions for commercials and for theatrical stuff where... They have me in for a 70 or better person, and everyone that I in the room looks like my grandfather. Right. You know, it's like, why am I here? <laughs> and I don't get the parts because of that. You know what I mean? I don't look like I'm that old. That's a double-edged sword, though. It's yeah. good because you don't look that old. So at least it's like, you know, you, you started to probably walk out of the audition going, God, I thank God I look better than these guys. Well, you know, when, when I see Dick Van Patten right. and several other people there, you know, uh, and I, I, Dick's a wonderful actor, but you know he's got this wonderful age to him, and I don't right yet. So well, I want to thank you for coming on. Is uh, yeah. now do you have a website or anything? How can people get in touch with you? Or well, I have a uh, I have my acting website. What is that? And that's um, Arthur. Uh, it's Art Lafleur at Art Lafleur Acting at gmail.com right. well I want to thank you for coming on I'm glad yeah, you're welcome them. and people so check it out and check out his career it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very long just go to IMDB and check it out you, if, especially if you're an actor you go wow you, if you could get that kind of career be happy and check out his acting class because he knows what he's doing so I want to thank him also people uh, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk I always sit there and I tweet some funny stuff and uh, go to my website coopertalk.net as you know you can find all my past episodes up there there's uh, 296 up there I believe um, also, if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Cooper Talk one word. You can find all my episodes there. And if you go to 
your Google phone or tablet. Go through the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk. You can get my app. It has all my issue, uh, my episodes. Send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net, because I'd like to hear from you guys. Also, this Saturday, I'll be at the Ice House in Pasadena in the small room. Show is at 7 o'clock. It's the uh, Duke Capilani's birthday party. We'll do that. Also, every Tuesday, I host uh, Crappy Comedy in Burbank at San Fernando Boulevard. So, yeah, people, keep following me. Keep sending me messages. I love to hear from you guys. Uh, look for me on iHeartRadio very soon. It'll be a bunch of my later episodes. So, that's about it. I want to thank my guest, Art LaFleur. You guys, you have a great weekend. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I'm going to lunch.